Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and today we're talking about how to make skill checks exciting. Exciting. Well, aren't all skill checks exciting, Angeline? I don't know. You tell me. Well, it's, I think it's probably not so exciting since we have this topic. One of the biggest complaints I hear, both personally and from Facebook and other media sources like Twitter, Instagram, not so much those, but mainly Facebook. It seems like Facebook, like people like to complain. But anyway. I think in general, people like to complain. <laughs> yes, it's that one is that skill checks are boring and can be monotonous. Another complaint is from GMs, right? You always hear, I've heard this from a long time. Well, ever since 3.0 came out specifically because 3.0 D&D, I'm talking about Dungeons and Dragons. When it came out, it had skills baked into the system where it seemed like second editions that were kind of like added on. So they had all these skills that were very pertinent to adventuring. They had... Lockpicking. Lockpicking? Lock I don't remember lockpicking. Maybe it was. No, but I mean, I'm talking about third edition. So they had... Strength? Well, no, they had the attributes, but they also had... Oh, my God. Uh, hide in shadows. They had the si- uh, walk silently. I'm talking about third edition, so it's been a while since we played. And they had all these skills. Swimming. Uh, climbing. Uh, climbing, right, right. It's, you know, Diplomacy. Persuasion. Intimidate. Intimidate. And c- correct. So they had quite a few skills. And then, of course, they had skills that were related to certain types of character classes. And then they had cross skills. All this other stuff. Well, it doesn't that does, that doesn't matter. But what happened was during that time, and after even with Pathfinder and even D and D now Fifth Edition, is that there's still these skills, and a lot of times when people will try it, a player will say, "Oh, my character's gonna try this." So the GM says, "Okay, roll a skill check, right?" And then that person fails, and then another person goes, "Oh, that's a great idea. I'm gonna do it too," and then you get this chain reaction of players. As they fail, saying, I want to do it too. I want to do it too. And so for a GM, it's sometimes it's like, well, why would you think you would want to do that? Especially if it's like, imagine somebody trying to listen or pay attention to certain details of, of somebody's speech or, or something they're looking at. And then somebody's doing that, they're concentrating or something. Other characters may not know what that character is doing. They're like, oh, he's in a trance or something, or he's... But the players say, at the table know what he's doing because well, he, he asked, said what he was doing. He so. said, said, and and then the GM asked for a certain skill check. So that's kind of that's kind of bothersome as a GM when you hear that or you that you see that hear that and they and the players ask for that chain reaction skill check as they fail or don't get a good enough roll. So you don't like that as a GM? No, no, not not, not usually. I mean, unless it's obvious, like if somebody's going to try to climb a wall. Oh, he's going to try to climb a wall. Okay. You can see him trying to climb a wall, obviously. And the other person goes, well, if he can't do it, maybe I can try. I can understand that. Or a tree or something like that. But other things that may not be so obvious. So if your player is running at a door trying to break it down and doesn't manage to do it, and then all the other players obviously see him do it, so they could try that. Right. Yeah, that's true. And that's mainly what I'm talking about. I'm not. I'm not talking about things that, can't really obvious things oh yeah right exactly so skills are are used in almost all games now there's no matter what system you use what's your favorite system 
there's other games don't use skills. They have like let's say Apocalypse World has moves, things you can do to propel the story forward, or and other characters may not have the same move. So the, those are really specific type of of uh, a, that's a specific game that kind of doesn't fit in that in that mold. But other games do, like even uh, Fate Core. It has a certain number of skills. Uh, almost any New Year Zero game has certain skills. Any game has skills. Almost all games have skills. So it's very, it, it can happen. It does happen sometimes. All these things above where you have this chain reaction of skills or you ask for too many skill checks. And, and it can be monotonous. when. And sometimes, it, like uh, we did an episode, the skills kill role playing. And I think. Indeed, if you all you're doing is rolling skill checks all the time instead of role playing things, is a well, at, no, as a GM, you should ask the character, what are, what are players, what are you doing, or what is your character doing? And sometimes you don't even need a skill check, right? If they're like, let's say they're searching for an envelope or something, and we've talked about this too why have the character roll if they need that clue and stuff? I think to make skill checks less boring is to not have as many of them, and if you need to have them. You can always ask the players, you're going into this room, what are you looking for? How are you going to go about your search? And if they give you a four-sentence explanation about what they're doing, (laughs) you probably don't need a skill check, especially if they're rifling through the desk and opening the closet, checking to make sure there's no holes in the floor or little indentations where where there might be a secret compartment or something like that. So they're doing all of these things. Maybe the secret compartment, you might go, oh, well... How, how how hard are you searching for it? And then you might want to do a skill check, right? Right. But that might make it more exciting because they've given you what they want to do and you're just allowing them to see if they succeed at that particular part, right? Because they could find the envelope on the desk, but say you hadn't thought about a, a secret compartment or you knew there was a secret compartment in there and because they came up with it, maybe you don't even give them the skill check because they came up with it, right? Yeah. So it's up to the GM and the players to make it more exciting by the role playing aspect versus rolling the dice. Well, you know, it sounds like you play a lot of OSR games or something. With it. it has to do with kind of along the lines of not using so many rules, but rulings. You know, just making decisions instead of having to consult the book. Much like that, you skills are should be used judiciously. I guess is or at least skill checks should be, especially if things are kind of mundane, easy, or or if the another thing is a lot of characters in my games that I run because I like kind of heroic type of games, they're not normal people, right? They're usually oh, not necessarily the best of the best of the best. Like no, definitely not. <laughs> in Men in Black, when Will Smith Will Smith goes and gets assessed to see if he's good enough to be in Men in Black, and he's with those all those military guys, and he's making fun of them, right? So. You don't want to get in a rut of having a lot of skill checks. And, and the way you cut down on that is by asking questions of the players. Well, what are you doing? What exactly are we doing? And if they click a certain box in your head, you know you don't have to have a certain list in your written down. But certainly, if you have a letter inside a cupboard or a desk drawer. In fact, I did this when I ran the Tales from the Loop game. There, I But this is back when we were before COVID. We were at a, I ran this game at a con, so I had a few props that I used. One was a, a unmailed envelope that was uh, 
person that was going to mail something. And I, you know, I typed it out. I, you know, I gave it a fake, uh, what do you call it? Letterhead and all this other stuff. And uh, they go into the suspect's room, these kids, and they're looking around and they find this letter. And they're like, well, so what does the letter say? I go, so I whip it out on my out of my backpack and I just throw it on the desk. And it wasn't, you know, because I'd gone through the trouble of making that prop, no way am I going to let those characters not find it. Unless they said they're not even looking in that room, right? But pretty much uh, an investigative game. You got to look everywhere. You got to look everywhere. And, and they're going to search places, especially the suspects room or who they deemed as a suspect. And they were right. They, he, was a, he was up to no good. And they find a letter and I turn, turn this letter and I put this letter on the desk and they all read it. And it was a good w- way of propelling the story forward. If I had said, you know, let me see a role about you. See if you find anything, and they do their search skill or something similar, and in <laughs> and in, in Tales from Loop and all Year Zero engines, you just roll six-sided dice pools, right? Six-sided dice yes. pools, right? So you add your skill and you add your attribute, you add them together, and that's how many dice you get. Six-sided dice you roll, and all you need is a six to just succeed. one, just one, one, one six and a success. But it does happen that people fail. Yes. And fail miserably. I can attest to this. It happens quite often. Right. It's amazingly. It doesn't matter how many six-sided dice you have. If you have to have that one six, sometimes it just isn't going to come along. It seems that's the way it works. But so you don't want a lot. So sometimes you don't want want characters to make a role. You just want them to tell you information or what they're doing. And I think that's a good way of handling skills is to, well, like you said, have them roll less. Doesn't mean that they're not they're doing less things, but they're maybe they're describing more things and they're whoa, they're role playing more. Wow, who would want that? Well, I think that um a lot of people don't like skill checks or don't like the monotony of them because it comes from the old style of playing, right? Where when you came to that door, you had to pick that lock and if you didn't hit a certain number, the GM just kept having you roll, right? Well, I don't know. I don't. I think I don't remember. I think there was a in eight indie. We're talking a, a advanced Dungeons and Dragons. I think if you failed to open a door, you couldn't re-roll to op- try to open that door for either ten minutes or thirty minutes. It was a it was a long. So it would time. slow down the game, right? Right. Well, Although it wouldn't whole... literally be ten minutes, but you would. Yeah. yeah. But everybody could try, and everyone would fail, and so you're stuck. We talked about that too. Is that was kind of like a weird situation and it did happen i remember every once in a while when we were in a dungeon or trying to get past the door we'd get stuck behind the door and and for whatever reason whatever the plot line was or whatever the adventure dictated we need to get past that door or find something in that room or whatever and that was kind of frustrating it's, you know it's like trying to find that clue and you need to roll a certain number to find it to propel the story forward hence why We've talked. I've talked about, and I mentioned it, and we we've talked about games like they use the gumshoe system, where they just give you the clue, right? If you have the skill, give you the clue. Another thing is, like I said, is that a lot of characters are pretty competent, right? If you're playing a secret agent game, right? Right. He knows how to search for stuff. He knows how to. He probably knows how to hotwire a car. But if you're a chef and you're searching for something. It might take a, a skill check, right? <laughs> so it depends on who you are well, playing. Well, the chef might have a good idea, you know, and he might, 
say, oh, I'm going to look under the bed, under the drawer, taped to the, to the, to the bottom of the drawer, stuff like that. And that might be good enough for him not to, or her not to roll a skill check. It's, well, if you're playing any kind of investigative game, you should always give them the clue. The clue. If, if, if they come up with something really good or they roll really well, then the gumshoe, you give them more clue, right? More, right. you give them, there's like three, three levels of clues. So depending on how well you go, then you're going to get the best one, but you're always going to get something to the propel the story yes. forward. Go to this address. Okay. So overall, I think one of the things that makes skill checks better is that make them count, right? Mm -hmm. Make them more, make them really important. You don't want dice rolling on the table to become monotonous or become, oh, it's just another a hoop that we have to go through. To, and everybody's just rolling dice all the time. And I think that makes skills and rolling dice kind of like boring. Not as exciting. And yeah, exactly. And so... So when the GM says, roll initiative, everyone's not going to go, oh, cool, we get a roll and something's going to happen. Well, there's that. I mean, that that's why I think rolling initiative is a little different than rolling skills because a lot of times, depending on your game, initiative means you're going to get into combat or something's going to happen, something exciting is going to happen. You need to be awake all of the time. Yes. And I think if you are playing a game and... And the GM doesn't usually make you roll a lot of skill checks. You know that skill checks are important. And a way of looking at skill checks being important is if there is no story or the story, there's nothing interesting that happens whether they succeed or fail, you probably shouldn't make them roll a skill check. Well, then there's always the important things like you come across a river and you have to cross the river. <laughs> and it doesn't even have to be a river. It could just be a, a a little ditch or whatever. And you have to walk across a tree to get across the river. Or you have to swim, right? Or you, you're trying to get across the bridge. These are some of the most hilarious skill checks that come along. Because inevitably, somebody in your party isn't going to make it. or <laughs> And you're going to have to help them or something like that. Well, I, I was going to talk about that later, but you do mention it now. So I'll talk about it too. You're right. It seems to me that if no matter what GM does it, right? I've done it. It doesn't matter. GM's done it. Uh, just just Friday was uh, Phil who put in his Gamma World game. And I'll tell you the, those three stories because it, it kind of changes why those skill checks were made. So uh, I think the, the furthest one back that I can remember, there's probably much more further back, but a few years ago before Star Trek Adventures came out, by Modiphius, they had a play test, and I was in, we were involved in that play test. And the one of the scenarios was a you kind of crash land in one spot, and you have to go somewhere else. And along the way, there's a large ravine, deep ravine that could easily be crossed know, crossed by this large. It was a tree, I think, or something. The tree was a stone. I don't remember. I thought it was a stone. Okay. But anyway, something had fallen over the. The, the crevasse, this large ravine. And so the characters move around, move across. And normally, probably I probably, as a GM, probably would not have asked them to make a skill check roll because it seemed kind of, it seemed kind of easy. But because this was a play test and the scenario was kind of a, a teaching type of scenario, right? 
So this was a perfect way of teaching or illustrating how you use a skill check. And it was something that would be not all that important and stuff like that. It and was it was supposed to be an easy thing where you just, you know, you roll your your D20s. You have a dice pool of 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 momentum dice, right? If you have If momentum. you need them, right? Yeah, if, if you had momentum, yeah. yeah. And you're right, and people are crossing and some people are making momentum and then I think you're the first one that that had a problem and foul and then you had a complication, right? Cuz you didn't succeed and and then you had a complication. And in the and in Star Trek Adventures, it's a 2D20 system. If you every time you roll a 20, you have a complication, even if you succeed. So you might have succeeded, but maybe... I had a complication. Yeah, a complication, which I said she just twisted your ankle, which caused her to s- slow down the party. They could have left her behind, but they decided to slow down for her, and uh, which caused a whole timeline shift. But I, but I think it was important in that game because it was an introductory scenario the game is trying to teach you how to use skills and complications if they happen. And it had, and that's exactly what it had. It had this list of things that could go wrong. If you have a complication, one of them was a twisted ankle causing you to slow down in your travels. Cause you guys were on foot, blah, 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 blah. So I thought it was an interesting way of dealing with it. I think somebody else had a problem. I think Chris. Yes. We, two of us couldn't, <laughs> couldn't cross the, the crevice. And, and it had to be saved by the other people. Yeah. yeah that it, was good. It was, and it was hilarious because it was an easy role. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a hard thing. You're just walking across this. Yes. You just have to succeed. Yes. And, but in real life, stuff like that happens all the time, right? People don't succeed in the easy things. Yeah. So, yeah. so adding a complication made it kind of real right so so then you're you're adding to the game by that well you, you see people fall all the time like in normal life you know just walking or doing weird things I Saul does anyway because i have a, a really bad ankle <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't alluding to that but i was into youtube like if you watch youtube people walking they your example is true but but that's because you have a bad ankle but people literally trip over stuff a curb Right Literally, there. just the other day, we were taking a walk, and the sidewalk just had a little tiny thing in it, and I fell down on my knee because my uh-huh. ankle gave out. And Saul was like, "We're just walking." He's all, "What happened?" I'm like, oh, and "He goes, your ankle just gave out." So things like that happen. Right? Yes, yes. The next one was that I that we that I want to use as an illustration. The 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 bridge. The bridge at uh, was it a bridge? No, it was a, I think it was a falling log or something in Jim's D and D game. Anyway, so in this case, because it was over a raging river, it was moist and stuff like that. So it makes it understandable that it would be difficult to walk on a round uh, log that had kinds of moss and stuff growing on it. And sure enough, again, I think you you fell in. Oh, was it? It you? was you. Oh, I fell in. That's right. I fell in. And it was just a bad luck. Right? My, my dexterity skill was pretty high or whatever it is. Um, Maybe it was me. I don't remember. One of us fell in, and I the think other I went in. to. I, I jumped in to save you. Yeah, and it didn't work very well, and uh, that's what it was. And it it wasn't comical. It was actually very tense because it was a raging river, and Jim was doesn't pull any punches. If you die, you die. Yeah, which and he can be brutal, but that's fine. You know, we we understood that. You know, but we could have mitigated that by having rope tied to each other, right? So if somebody fell, we could hold on to it or stuff that or you know we could all went into the drink mike got really frustrated because he could he was running to try to help us but he couldn't keep up with the because the river was going too fast yes instead of a comic thing it's more of a dramatic thing that bridge of doom (laughs) 
Now, I think all of, all bridges are bridges of doom in, in any role playing game. In our groups, anyway, they are right. That that happened a few couple of years ago. Maybe. It wasn't. A, it was a while ago. Last a while year, ago, or sometime. last year, sometime. Just uh, this is the other Friday night. We're playing Gamble World, and something similar had happened. We're playing Gamble World. We're in the metropolis of ruins of Pittsburgh, and uh, a large, humongous tree had fallen over this river. And here we go, trying to cross it. And uh, my brother character failed, goes into the drink, goes into the water. And he's having trouble swimming, blah, blah, blah. I, my Which is odd because he's a honey badger. Yeah, I don't know if honey badgers swim. They must be able to. Most badgers swim. Yeah, I have no idea. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know much about badgers other than they're pretty cool. And they're pretty mean, supposedly. Then I go jumping in after him, and I'm able to save him using my special powers. And that was kind of comical, right? We're all laughing. We're all joking about Purrs, I think is the character's name, the honey badger. And it was just funny. It was The whole situation was kind of comical. Here we are crossing this large, on this large tree, huge redwood, I, I'm imagining, type of tree. And it must be you know, as round as a, as a car or a big Mack truck. Uh, and here we are. I hate to tell you, but I don't think there's redwoods in Pittsburgh. Well, it was a huge tree. Okay. So I, I, I always imagine redwoods and huge trees. That's only trees. because of where you grew up. Well, I, we live in Northern California where there's actually redwood trees and it's, they're pretty amazing. But but yes, so so we, it was kind of comical. You know, we were able to save purrs. But those stories show you the a reason for having skill checks, right? Right, and the funny thing is, is that they're all skill checks that deal with crossing this uh, makeshift bridge, whether it was a stone bridge that had fallen, whether a couple of trees or whatever. And I think what it, what it illustrates is that you can use skill checks in a way that raises tension, like in Jim's game, or it's comic relief, like in in, in Gamma World, or in the Star Trek Adventures. It was kind of funny. But then it kind of messed up the the whole. You guys, it didn't have an impact on you guys as making it to the to the desti- base, to yeah. your destination, in, in 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 better in better time, which caused a chain reaction of different events to happen. Because one of the things they could have done, and it said that in the rules, is that they could leave you behind. <laughs> <laughs> Our parties usually don't leave men behind. No, no they're matter like, what, they're pretty. They're like marines, <laughs> no matter what. But that's just us. I mean, some people would do it, right? Leave them behind. They'll catch up. Yeah. I think another thing about skill checks, what happens is that we like rolling dice, right? And if we don't, if we don't roll dice every once in a while, people get fidgety. <laughs> they start building dice, you know, towers, towers and stuff like that. And, you know, and, and I you know you don't have this now so much, I think, because of, uh, because of COVID, right? Everybody's playing online and, uh, many people utilize the online dice rollers because we've talked about that before in our digital using digital tabletop tabletops that if you use a, a digital roller and it displays it for everybody to see it's kind of like rolling at a table where everybody's looking at your roll to see what you if you make that roll or not and it's either exciting or a big letdown whether you make it or not and I think that's pretty cool. That's one of the things. I, there's some games that don't have dice rollers, or or, or or it's very hard to implement. For a while there, we we were playing, we're still playing the One Ring, and we weren't using an online dice roller and the 
and the Roll20 app doesn't have a a character sheet built into it that lets you use the online dice roller. So there's ways around it. It probably has to do with copyright rules about about the Lord of the Rings, what they can and can't do when they make a game. Because I've yet to see the creator of the One Ring actually put out an online character sheet for their game, which would make, I think, a little bit more appealing to a lot of people if they could just have a character sheet, fill it, and be able to roll off that character sheet in the Rule 20 app. But because of copyright rules, and I think I heard that it's kind of funny that they can make the role-playing game on paper, but as soon as they try to do something digital, it's a totally different copyright. And different, they don't have the right to do that. Be careful when you try to get an IP <laughs> intellectual property. Especially that one. Especially that one, which is like there's all kinds of different copyrights and who owns what and who's allowed to do whatever. Which is interesting, I think, in a, in a role-playing game and in, in, in general. So... But there's a way going around it. So when we were playing that game, we were rolling. I was rolling at home on a, in a dice tray, physical dice. I think everybody else was. One of our friends, Morgan, was rolling uh, using an online dice roller. And when he would roll this fantastic dice roll, <laughs> he would he would he would put his uh, his webcam on it so we could see that what he rolled, and because he was so excited and so and he was rolling amazingly, right? And then <laughs> then we were. And then there was a time, not the session I was playing, we were rolling terrible, terrible. We're getting Eye of Saurons, and it almost killed our party. And the dice were really against us, and, and we were just, and even Morgan's dice were sucking. And then so we, so I forget who, I think Shannon was in a group that they used this, this dice system, and that somebody had come up. So all you got to do is have some programmer who knows how to deal, deal it, do it, and they can do it, but you know it's like free, right? And it's a love, it's a what a work of passion or labor of love. But somebody did it, right? And so we were so, Bay, our computer programmer, wizards, whatever he is. I don't know, I'm not sure he's a computer programmer. I don't think he's he's much more than that. I think he's got his PhD in something, <laughs> right? PhD in computer, so I don't know. So anyway, he was able to figure it out, and he threw it on the roll twenty, and then we were all rolling dice on there, like, "Yay, it works!" Well, that's one of the things. Rolling dice is always fun when you're playing role playing games because no matter how much role playing you do, the roll of the dice always brings everybody together to see if you make it or not, right? And that, and that's where the tension, and that's where the what is it the the rise of what do you call that? I don't know. Excitement. Excitement, exactly. When when things are pivoting on that die roll, it doesn't even have to be life or death. It, it just if things are going to go your way, it might be the beginning of of the path to victory, which sometimes can be. You know, you don't know if you're going to win or not, or you don't know if you're going to succeed in whatever yeah. you're trying to do. <laughs> and the dice roll can be pivotal, pivotal, pivot, whatever. Pivotable. Piv- now, now I can't say it. <laughs> Pivotal. It might Pivotal. be crucial. It might Pivotal. Be, it might be crucial. You tried to add a, a bowl in there. Pivotable. Piv. Oh, we'll go with crucial. Just, just take that out altogether. So the so the the role could be very crucial in in the game, and I think that's why I think a lot of people like dice when it's done that way and it's exciting. It's uh, 
it's fate sometimes, right? That's what it is. It's fate that determines which way the story is going to go and whether you can succeed or not. I think that's pretty cool. As players, and even a GM, as we, well, players, a GM is a player. Uh, we do like rolling dice, but I think when we are rolling dice too much, uh, it kind of means the, the meaning of the die roll. So when you're implementing the skill checks that you have to have, I would say as a GM or, well, it has to be the GM saying, making the decision not to force you to have to do a skill check for everything you want to do. Right. So if I have a strength of 18 and a climbing skill and I can climb the wall, you may not need to make me roll a a, die, a, a skill check to do that, right? Because. Right. I already you you know I'm a I'm a fighter or whatever and I can do it easily. Now if I'm like the the weakling of the party <laughs> that has no strength and I have nothing in climbing and you may need to tie a rope to me and somebody might suggest that before there's 20 skill checks of me trying to get up the wall, right? I I think you're right. That's that is what we're talking what I'm talking about is the circumstances, right? You can look at the situation you have a, a fighter who has an 18 strength, you know, maybe like a barbarian, Conan-like character. He could probably climb that wall pretty easily. Then you have maybe a paladin in plate armor, and he wants to climb that wall. Well, you know, that's probably a little more difficult. You're not, I don't have uh, as, as much freedom of movement as you would w- without any armor or very little armor. Or somebody who's weak might have a problem climbing. So you would institute a climbing check for different situations even though they're all trying to do the same thing it might even be the same party at the same time so that's an important part of what figuring out whether you want people to roll skill checks a lot of this is i think you could this is easier to implement if you have what i would not just me calls it but the term system mastery right if if you know the system pretty well that you're playing under no matter what system game system it is you can it's easier for you to like not use so many skill checks to propel the game forward or or during gameplay just simply because you can you can assess when it's needed or not right as you get better at knowing your the system you're playing i think it'll be easier to make less skill checks if you're new to the game using this advice you might not use as many skill checks as you think you should and you all have that in the back of your mind while you're running the game even before you develop a lot of uh mastery with the system that you're using but the more comfortable you are with the system i think the easier it is to let certain things go by or not have a check required well and also i think that it's important whoever the party is that you're playing with right so say the party's been together for a while and everybody knows everybody's strengths and weaknesses after you've been going around with people for adventuring for a while and you've climbed (laughs) several buildings then if you get to a building and everybody knows that chuck is going to help the weakling get up the wall then you don't you don't have to you know whatever it is right you know that that your magician or your sorcerer can fly so you don't have to worry about them getting up the wall right so then the gm has an idea of what you're going to do anyway because you've done it 16 times already oh yeah then there's no need for a skill check unless it's like slimy or you right. know something something different the conditions might might make it so that you would have to roll like i said before if you have that that barbarian character conan we'll call him conan 
not affiliated with the IP. This is all different types of Conans. <laughs> that guy on the bodybuilder, the late night television show. Uh, let's anyway. So he's playing uh, uh, Conan, the uh, barbarian, and he's climbing this wall. And in one sense, it's pretty easy. But then let's say the situation is different. Let's say it's it's, it's mossy, a little bit of water's running down it. Like a, yeah, just like a a slow or dripping waterfall, but instead it's it's just 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 trickle slimy. of water, and it's slimy, it's mossy. So as a GM, you're like, well, I'm gonna make you have a make you roll a skill check. Normally I wouldn't, but because of the conditions, bada bing bada boom, you have to roll. So I can see that. I can see those situations where, and it's dicey, right? It's dicey whether you can really make it or not, and I think that's where when fate comes in and says it dictates oh you know you can't climb that wall well and then your your party's like hmm, well, the worst alternative because we use him as our wall climber right he's the one that gets us up there gets to the top pulls the rest of us up yeah yeah pulls the rest of us up or stakes a rope down and, and makes it easier for the rest of us but now you have to rely on the on the sorcerer who's going to fly up there but is the sorcerer really going to want to fly places where he doesn't know what's up there right so that's always a Another. Uh... I'm gonna tell you no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you wouldn't go up there if there was like no other way. You'd probably be the one like you poke your head right over the the edge of the <laughs> thing to check things out. Sorcerers don't have very many hit points, so you know you got to be real careful <laughs> you what you be do. <laughs> so I think there's certain things you should keep in mind. Less is better. Make skill checks matter, so make them count as far as. Why you're having them, yeah. Whether you fail or succeed. I think there was this one, I forget what game it was. It was probably a fate game. I don't know which one it was. But they said that only use dice, whether it's a good story, whether they fail or succeed. So, again, when you roll something mundane, is it a good story if they fail? No, not really. Is it interesting? No. Why make them roll, right? There's no reason to. So I think that's the kind of idea that should be going through a GM's head when they're accessing the, whether they want to have the player roll or not roll a skill check. So there you go. Use your skill checks wisely. Yes. Have a great day. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day. Mm-hmm.